As we move into James chapter 2, I'm reminded of people I've spoken to lately personally or heard about who have been hurt by the church. Maybe because of a lack of love, maybe because of the practice of partiality, maybe because of cliques. And they've been hurt. They're angry at God. They're angry at Christians. They're angry at the church. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you've had that experience. James is going to talk to us about the royal law, about not showing partiality, about loving each other as he has loved us. And that's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. James says, listen, James 2.5, my beloved brethren. He's speaking to people who are loved, but we all need to be challenged. He says, listen up. Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love them? Listen up, beloved brethren. The poor have been chosen by God to be wealthy heirs of the kingdom. Don't you treat them like they're nothing. Don't you use their pocketbook to make you partial. I was in Nepal and India in 2001, and I met a man named John Monger. And I know I'm going to see him in heaven. I'll recognize John because he has the biggest smile that never leaves his face. And John was uh, in a country called Bhutan, and he became a political refugee. He was kicked out of his country. He ended up in Nepal, and he started preaching the gospel on the streets of Nepal and was arrested and thrown in prison for 18 months simply because of street preaching. Now, get this. He's kicked out of his country. Imagine... Put yourself in his shoes for a second. Imagine you got kicked out of the United States. You ended up in Mexico. You're on the streets of Mexico preaching the gospel, and you get thrown into a Mexican prison for 18 months. How would your attitude be after that? John never stopped smiling. And I said, John, knowing your story, why do you smile so much? And he went, Pastor Michael, I found Jesus, and nothing's going to take this smile from my face. Man, I'll tell you, that's humbling. There, my smile can go away very easily. <laughs> How many of you have this in your vocabulary? I'm not amused. <laughs> have we become a little too serious? Maybe we need to lighten up. Maybe we need to see people as God sees them. But you have dishonored the poor man. Verse 6, is it not the rich who oppress you? Speaking of ex, uh, economic exploitation. And personally drag you into court. So let me just give you the backdrop for a second. Uh, it appears, and we'll see this later in chapter 5, that wealthy landowners were exploiting early Jewish Christians. Because there were classes of people, and you were pretty much... There was a diminishing middle class, so you're pretty much either rich or poor in this society, and that's probably how you were going to stay. Wealthy landowners would hire workers, sometimes day laborers, and they would put them to work, but sometimes they would hold back their pay. And what could you do if you're a day laborer trying to fight a wealthy landowner? And sometimes these cases ended up in a court, or sometimes the because the wealthy person had money and the poor man did not, he could turn it around on the poor man and exploit him in court and drag him into court on false charges. And the poor man had very little way to fight the rich man. 
And it may be, and this is my own conjecture, that the rich man that walked into that assembly and was treated so well while the poor man was treated shabbily may have been that poor man's boss who was exploiting him, or he may have been one of the wealthy landowners that was pulling these shenanigans on the church. And so James is saying, why would you celebrate that man and give him the best seat based upon his clothing and his jewelry when he is exploiting your brethren? Why would you ever do that, says James? You, you've made a decision based upon his dress, but his heart is an issue. In fact, do they not, verse 7, James 2, blaspheme the fair or noble name by which you have been called? These individuals who were, were being treated in a special way were not even Christians. They were blaspheming the name of Jesus and getting preferential treatment in the church. Think of it this way. A movie star goes into a major congregation that I will leave unnamed in our country, probably one of the biggest churches in the country, but this movie star has openly denied the faith. And I'm not talking about once, I'm talking about multiple times. Yet, they walk into the church and they're treated as royalty when they, in essence, have blasphemed the name of Christ and from their public platform. Now you tell me, why were they treated that way? One reason. They're rich and famous. That's, that's what this has become all about. And if we put it into a modern context, there you have it. They walk in. It's a bit of a parade. It's a show. They're on the front row, but not because they're a committed believer in Jesus Christ. Not because they're a, necessarily a hungry soul just wanting to hear the truth. Because if that were the case, of course They'd have open arms. But they literally blaspheme Jesus in all other contexts, yet they are celebrated in the assembly at the expense of others who are overlooked because they don't have the same fame and they don't have the same fortune. Look, this is reality, folks. These folks were hurting the body, and yet they were being celebrated in the assembly. And James says in verse 8, if, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, the, the word royal there is basilikos. According to scripture, the scripture, you shall not love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. There is a royal law. It's called royal because it comes from the king of heaven, the king of glory. The king of heaven is given a royal law. The royal one, the ultimate king of kings and lord of lords says, I have a law. It's my royal law. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love your neighbor, verse 8, as yourself. If you do that, you're doing well. In Luke 10, there was a discussion with a lawyer, an expert in the law, about the essence of the law, and Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan. And remember that there were religious people who wouldn't help the man who was taken by thieves and beat up and left for dead. They didn't want to touch him. They didn't want to deal with him. But it was a Samaritan who came to his rescue. And Jesus said, which of the three were a neighbor to the man caught among thieves? And they responded, the man who had pity on him, the man who had compassion. He was the neighbor. And then Jesus says, go and do the same. Go and do likewise. The rabbis had a saying like this, go and do it. 
Go and do likewise. Go and fulfill the law. This is the royal law. The royal law is love. Do you struggle with favoritism? We all probably do to a certain extent. Maybe it's Maybe there's a hidden partiality in all of our hearts that we need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, is this me? Some of you who are younger, you can see it, you can see it at school, can't you? There's that kid who's dismissed. He's put into the corner because he looks different or he, he, doesn't, he doesn't, you know, hang with the cool kids and he's, he's, he's beaten up every day. Whether physically or verbally or ostracized, he feels like he's nothing. And you see it. And my question for you is, will you do something about it? I have a lot in my heart, and I'll tell you why. Because on the playground, I'll confess this to you, I was a bully. Um, I was so insecure about all the other things going on in my life, I let that come out on the playground. And instead of coming to people's rescue, I stayed in my own little cool world because I was more concerned about being cool than I was about that person. And our world is, that's not just on the playground, you guys. That's everywhere. Social classes, exploitation, people who look down their noses at others. And James says, that's not it, man. If you're a Christian... And you show partiality, verse 9, this is hard to take, but here's our Bible. You're committing sin, and you're convicted by the law as a transgressor. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles, what's your Bible say? In one, literally it doesn't say, in the original it just says in one or one point. The translators add that, but if you stumble in one, you have become what? Guilty of all. Now, the law goes from 613 commandments codified to 10 and summarized in two. 613 commandments and subcommandments. If you read through Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Exodus, what's it about? Well, if a person has land and somebody does this to them or they kill their animal or if it's on purpose or accident, it's all about personal injury laws and what people do to one another. And and sometimes it's some hard reading, but the essence of it is all this. And if you took the 613 and took it down to the 10, the essence of it is this. You will not break any of the commandments if you love your neighbor and you love God. You won't. Would you commit adultery with your neighbor's wife if you loved your neighbor? No. Would you steal their stuff? No. Would you lie about them? Would you covet? See, the law, when it goes from 613 to 2 to 10 and then to 2, is summarized, and this is the whole law. Love God with all you are, and love what? Your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, you have fulfilled the law. Here's the problem, though. I don't. Sometimes I do. But many times I don't. Sometimes I look back at a day, and maybe you could relate to this, and maybe you had a bunch of pity parties, and maybe you had some outbursts of anger, and you look back at the day and you you go, man, I was a rascal today. What is going on? And it may be something like this. You know... I didn't even pray for a second. 
Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. What is going on? And it may be something like this. You know, I didn't even pray first thing in the morning. That may have been where it all started. (laughs) I was so busy to get on with my day because I have places to go and people to see and things to do and And my whole day unraveled because it wasn't hemmed in prayer. (sighs) Anybody else? Yeah. Was that this morning for you? Yeah. On the way to church? (laughs) Walked in here? Ain't going to love nobody today. (laughs) God knew you'd be here. Every sin... Every sin, please hear what I'm about to say, is a failure to love God and my neighbor. Every sin. I don't think there's one that doesn't fall into that category. That's what sin is. It's to miss the mark. Torah, law, in Hebrew means to hit the mark. Sin means to miss the mark. We miss it all the time. What do we do? The Bible says because the law is an inseparable unit, if you break one of them, you've broken them all because the essence of them all is love. And if you don't love even one time, you've broken the whole essence of the law. That's why verse 11 says, he who said and God said this, and the law is an extension of God. So when you break the law, you're sinning against God. It's hard to take, but this is it. It says don't commit adultery, don't murder. If you do not commit adultery, so you say, and sometimes you talk to people and they say, well, <laughs> have you ever done this before? You, you say, you're trying to use the law to get to the gospel, Ray Comfort style, and you say, okay, have you ever lied? Yeah. Have you ever lusted? Yeah. But I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> and there you are as a little evangelist. And the next line is, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Well, you've already broken a few of them. I'm sure you've broken all 10, sir. Here's the problem. If you break the law, if you've lied, if you've lusted, if you've coveted, if you've hated someone in your heart, you've broken the whole law. And because God is such an exacting judge, if you stand before God and he judges you just by the top 10, how are you going to do on the day of judgment? I think we'd all admit, I'm in trouble. And so the judge of all the earth would say, if you broke one of them, you've transgressed my law. So what do we do? Well, we have an answer. 
And this is why we are to preach law to the proud and grace to the humble. If I meet someone and I start sharing the gospel with them and they say something like this, oh, I don't even know if God could ever forgive me for what I've done, then I'm going right to the cross. And I'm going to preach the love of God. But if someone says to me, you know what, I don't really think I need that. I, I'm a How many of you have heard this? I'm a pretty good person. I, this is what we call good person syndrome. I'm a pretty good person. I, I haven't been that bad. I haven't killed anybody yet. <laughs> Yet, keyword yet. And you say to them, well, have you ever lied? Yeah, but they were mostly white lies. Is that different? Uh, have you ever lusted for someone who's not your spouse? Have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? The Lord who gave you life, hold your very breath in his hands? You know, the law is a schoolmaster to drive us to Christ. And the good news is the lawgiver is the Lord of glory, and the lawgiver came down to the earth to save you because he knew you couldn't fulfill his law. And he was nailed to that cross to satisfy. He fulfilled the law in his perfect life, and then in his sacrificial death, he paid your ransom. This is why you need Jesus. You are not going to make it on your good works. You can't do enough because if you failed in one part of the law, you've broken all of it. Because you didn't love as God would have you to. So James addressing Christians, final two verses says, So, brethren, 12, speak and act. Those are present uh, tense verbs. As those who will be judged by what? The law of liberty. Now in verse uh, 25 or yeah, 25, the word of God is called the law of liberty, or the law is called the law of liberty. In verse 8 of chapter 2, it's called the royal law. And here, it's called the law of liberty again, because when you love, you are free. When you truly start to love the way God has called you to love, you will never be more free than when you do it. And so James says, I want you to speak, present tense, keep on speaking, keep on acting, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty, which is what? The law of love. If you're a Christian, you're not going to be before the white throne. Why? Because your sin was paid for in full at the cross. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But you are going to stand before a bema. It's an elevated platform by which a judge gives rewards. And the judge of all the earth is going to say, Michael, how well did you love? How well did you love your wife? I told you to love her as I love the church. I told you to love your neighbor as yourself. How well did you do with that? I wanted you to love me with everything you are because I knew that in union with me is where you would find life and you would be free. How'd you do with that? Now, if some of you are gulping right now and going, oh, I have good news. You're still alive. Say, I am? Yeah, yeah, you are. Have somebody pinch you. It's not a dream. You still have a chance to change. And I will tell you, I can't produce this. God is going to have to produce it in me. For judgment, verse 13, ending on a sober note, will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy 
triumphs over judgment. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus said, Matthew 5, 7, for they shall receive mercy. What do we do in the light of this reality? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. We are to see that Christ fulfilled the law for you and me. Jesus at the cross is God's love on display. But just because I'm saved by grace doesn't mean that grace doesn't have implications for my life. And now that I'm saved, God has a call for me and for you. If you're willing to listen and obey, here it is. Go out this week and speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of love. If you simplified your life to that, how easy would your week ahead be? Because we can get so, we get so, uh, you know, wound up in all these, these variables, and there's a lot of them out there. But what if you just simplified your week this week and just said, Lord, I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm going to work on that love relationship with you. I'm going to ask you to love people through me because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. So love people through me today. Because I know that one day I'm going to stand before you. Would you bow your heads and hearts? One day I know I'm going to stand before you, Lord. And the one thing you're going to say to me as a saved believer is, Michael, how well did you love? And you're not even going to really ask me that question because you already know, Lord. And I think I can rest in this. You're going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. If we love well, we will hear that. Well done. And Lord, we all have work to do. We confess it. But we're so grateful for your love. We love because you first loved us. And we're a community that has experienced the love of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the preeminent fruit is love. Oh, Lord, let it flow. And forgive us, forgive me for the many times that I've failed, the many times that I've not defaulted to love, the many times when I could have taken that extra moment, maybe said that extra prayer, or just stepped into somebody's crisis, but it's easier to run sometimes. It's easier to be partial, but Lord, give us your heart in fresh and deep ways this week. If you're not a Christian, then... Sadly, you're going to be judged by the Ten Commandments, and I'm sure you can see that if you've broken one of them, you've broken them all. You need Jesus. Maybe you've been putting it off. Maybe you've been thinking, ah, oh, maybe God will grade on a curve, or maybe my good works will outweigh my bad works. It's just not going to happen. But there's one who loved you so deeply. He took your pain, your punishment, and shame at the cross, and if you're ready to settle it with him, if you're ready to receive his payment for your sin. You need to, my brother, my sister, because if you don't, you're going to stand before God and he's going to judge you by the law. But that law was nailed to the cross with Jesus. So with your head and heart bowed, with everybody's eyes closed, if you have not met Jesus, I'm going to ask you right now to do something bold, but nobody's going to be staring at you. Would you raise up your hand if you don't know Jesus? And I'm going to pray for you. Lift up your hand if you want to meet him for the first time today. Don't be ashamed of him. He was not ashamed of you. If there's anybody in here, first time, you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Maybe some of you want to rededicate your life. That's always open to you. 
doesn't have to happen in a church building. It can happen anywhere. Oh, Lord God, thank you for those who are reaching up. Thank you that you are so wonderful to reach down to us right where we are. Thank you that you're so patient. That you're full of loving kindness. Your love is better than life. Oh, Lord, would you saturate this congregation with that love this week? And where we have maybe been lacking, would you fill in those gaps? Would you just so dominate our lives that it just flows out of us? It's not something we have to force. It's just something that a yielded life produces. And I pray that you would bless each one with that fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.